forty days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it may be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And the devil taketh him, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil again said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus answering, unto, answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Now, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this text that you have assigned us to today. Lord, as we're just trying to look at your son and, Lord, know him a little bit better and then get truths for our lives that would be uh, helpful to us. Bless these scriptures. Bless this text today. May we see no man save Jesus only. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We find this passage immediately follows the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can find this temptation of Jesus in Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. Of course, Mark 1, 12 and 13. And then in our text, Luke 4, 1 through 13. Now, it is interesting. This is not the temptation of Christ. Christ is His Messiah name, His, his anointed name. Jesus was His earthly name. It was given to Him by Mary and Joseph. So it's very important. This is not the temptation of Christ, but rather the temptation of Jesus. Now there's a few things I need to say by way of introduction to lead us into our thought today. The Bible teaches us uh, that, tempt, that the Lord could not sin. He was sinless. I preached on this a little bit Wednesday night, but for the sake of those who was not here, I, I want to emphasize this again. Listen to your preacher this morning. Jesus could not have yielded to this temptation. Now, there are preachers I know that I love, that I respect, that disagree with me on that, and here's what I say to that. This is America. They have the right to be wrong. But I am right. Jesus was immutable. Jesus could not sin. In fact, the book of 1 Peter said, He did no sin, neither was guile found in His mouth. I'm going to let you know something this morning. Let my preacher buddies know something. Had He could have yielded to this temptation, then He is not the Son of God, and He is not the sinless Savior, and we are in a mess. I don't think they understand the gravity of such a foolish belief and a foolish doctrine of that. I will go toe-to-toe with anybody over that. Somebody said, Preacher, uh, if, if he could not yield to the temptation, then it was not a real temptation. Well, you got to understand, Jesus was not necessary. This word temptation, it does mean a solicitation to sin, but it also means to try whether a thing can be done. It also gives the idea where the devil is pushing buttons to see if anybody knew that Jesus was immutable, Satan knew it. 
He was in heaven as Lucifer. Boy, I can't get bogged down here. But he was in heaven as Lucifer. He knew who Jesus was. He understood who he was. I'm going to tell you something this morning. The devil has a better understanding of Jesus Christ than a lot of preachers do because he knew him personally and knew him face to face. It was his job to bring glory to the throne. And so the devil's not trying to trick Jesus. He is not trying to get him to do He knows what he's doing. He is very sly at what he is doing. A lot of people want to go around, a lot of preachers go around and say, yeah, the devil, he's just a big moron, a big idiot. You better watch how you're talking. He knows more about the Bible than you do. Amen. And so what is the purpose of this? The purpose of this temptation was to try him, to see what would be done. You see, the devil knew the Lord Jesus in his glorified body, but now he's got on earthly flesh. So he's trying him. He's pressing buttons. He's seeing what he'll do. He's seeing what he will yield to. And by the way, that is what temptation does in our lives. We are, the Bible said, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. That's James 1, 13 through 16. So the point this morning is that the Lord did not, was not set up in this, but the Lord set this up. If we were to read Matthew 4's account, the Bible said that Jesus, Matthew chapter number 4 and verse number 1, then when Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for the purpose of allowing the devil to tempt Him. So I said, preacher, what's the big deal of that? He's in control the whole time. The devil's not running this thing. God's in control. God is sovereign. God is on the throne. And I thank God for that today. So why do we have this account? Why do we have this seemingly useless account about a temptation that Jesus could not have yielded to? Am I talking over your head? Are you all with me? Why do we have that in our Bible? Here's why I believe the Lord allowed this to happen and why we have this in our Bible. Because, and think about this, no one, no human was around to see these 40 days. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, none of them were there to see this. So the only way that Luke would have found out about this, the only way Matthew would have found out about this, is that Jesus told Matthew. He told his disciples about this. He inspired Luke in his scripture to write about this. Why did he do that? To show us how we can have victory over temptation. Because we are not sinless. We are not immutable. We are not uh, perfect. I know we are seated in heavenly place in Jesus Christ. I understand all of that. I understand the do- I don't understand it, but I, I get the doctrine of that. But I'm going to remind you this morning, we still have this flesh. We still have this sin nature. And we are still susceptible uh, to being tempted and the yielding temptation. Now listen to the preacher this morning. It is not a sin to be tempted. Are you hearing me? It is a sin to yield to temptation. Amen. It is a sin to yield to temptation. We note this morning that it is not the will of God for you to yield to temptation, but rather God desires us to have victory over temptation. How do we walk in victory? By walking in obedience to the Word of God. You're going to be tempted every day. Are you hearing me? You're going to be tempted. 
You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be tempted to say things, to do things, to look at things, uh, to think things. And our, I mean, we're all going to deal with this temptation. So that's what I want to preach on this morning, dealing with temptation. How to deal with this. Because what I'm preaching, you know, there are sermons I preach. Brother Rich, you're going to learn this. There are going to sermons you preach as a preacher that it's going to fit parents. You're going to go in those prisons. You're going to preach those men about being a father, about being a man. And it's not going to apply to everybody in that service because some of those guys are not going to have kids. But what I'm preaching about this morning applies to everybody in this church because it don't matter if you're five or 105. Uh, or, hey man, I was thinking about putting somebody's name in there, but I'm going to move on. It don't matter if you're five or 105. Everybody is going to deal with this sin of temptation. Everybody is. I want to note three things in our notes this morning about temptation and make applications to our life. First of all, I want us to note the specific timing of this temptation. The specific timing of this temptation. When did this temptation take place in the life of our Lord? When did all this come about in the life of our Lord? Well, I think it's interesting to note our verses today. The Bible said in verse 1, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted uh, of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And so, so this timing, number one, when did this temptation take place? It came at a victorious time. It came at a time where he had victory. Here's what I mean by that. Back in Matthew chapter 3 is, is the baptism of our Lord. You can also look at it in Luke chapter number 3. The Lord is taken under those waters and He's brought up again as we preached about Wednesday night. And out of heaven, uh, uh, God sends down the Holy Spirit of God. You're talking about a wonderful time. Uh, you talk about a blessed time. John has just announced Him to the world. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. John has done announced that. I'm telling you, it is a blessed time in our Lord's life. A time of victory. I'm going to tell you when you're going to battle temptation. It's tonight when you get home from church. It's tomorrow when you go to work. I mean, you've, you've been in church all day long. Uh, you've heard the singing. Uh, you've heard the preaching. Uh, you've went through all this all day long. You've had a time of victory in the house, Lord. You've enjoyed all that. But I'm going to tell you when you're going to be tempted to listen uh, to that ungodly music is when you get in your vehicle in the morning to go to work. And you've got, a, you've got a choice of what you're going to put on the radio. I'm going to tell you when you're going to be tempted. It's when you get home tonight and, you're, and, and I, I'm like this on Sunday nights. I just can't go to bed. i got to wind down. I, I, I'm so hyped up on Sundays uh, just from preaching and going all day long. It takes me a little while to wind down. And you're going to be tempted by what you turn on the television or what you look at on your phone or what you stop scrolling out on your phone. You're going to be tempted. At not, not, I, I'm going to tell you, after a time of victory... I'm going to tell you when you're going to have time after you read temptation, after you pray, and after you read your Bible, you're going to be tempted to sin. Now, for all the super spiritual people in here, you just bear with the rest of us devils this morning. We'll try to help you tonight, all right? But you, I, I believe we're all on the same page this morning. It come after a time of victory. It came at a time, uh, it came at a, not only a victorious time, it came at what I call a validating time. Here's what I mean by that. I know that's a big word, validating time, but here's what I mean by validating. Jesus is baptized. He comes up out of that water, and God speaks out of heaven and says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You know what the first thing the devil said? If thou be the Son of God. You know what the devil tried to get you to do in time of temptation? Well, if you was really saved, you wouldn't even be tempted with that. 
if you was really a child of God, you wouldn't even be tempted with that. Well, Jesus is the sinless, perfect Son of God. He has just been declared to be the Son of God by the God of heaven, calling out of heaven, This is my beloved Son, and whom I am well pleased. We preach about it Wednesday. And the next phrase we read in our Bible, Matthew, If thou be the Son of God. I'm going to tell you, the devil will use those things to cause you to doubt your salvation and backslidden and uneducated Bible uh, preachers that don't preach the Bible, they'll try to use that to get you to doubt your salvation. Hello? By the way, if the devil put a question mark on the sonship of Jesus Christ, what makes you think he ain't going to put a question mark on your sonship? He done the same thing to Jesus. And if anybody knew that Jesus was the Son of God, it was Satan. He is not ignorant of who Jesus is. I'm going to tell you, he's going to use that temptation. Well, if you were saved, you wouldn't even be tempted to do that. Hello? Heard Brother Brian McBride make his statement this week while he was preaching. He said, uh, he said that verse in Lamentations, he said, his mercies are new every morning. He said, I think I figured out why. I'm going to tell you, when the devil's going to mess with your mind and when you're going to think thoughts you shouldn't think, is when you lay down at night. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And your mind goes places it shouldn't. But Brother McBride said, that's why those mercies are so precious. Those mercies are new every morning. Amen. I'm glad there's mercies for when I let my mind go somewhere, when I've had thoughts and things in the stillness of the night. But thank God there's mercy the next morning. Are y'all getting a hold of this? It come after a victorious time. It come after a validating time. But I also say this this morning, it came at a vulnerable time. I know I'm using big words, but it fits my alliteration, all right? When I, when I print this book, you can buy the book and have all the outlines, all right? <laughs> but this, what I mean by, here's what I mean by a vulnerable time. The Bible said that he fasted for 40 days and he was hungry. Now, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around that, Brother Charles. The fact that the Son of God was hungry. I have no trouble wrapping my mind around the fact that I'm hungry. Amen. Uh, that's why I don't eat much before I preach. I do that for your sake. Because if you get a hungry preacher, he won't preach long. You've got to be careful taking a preacher to the steakhouse at 5.30 on a revival night. You'll have a beer two hours. But if you let him preach up an appetite, he won't preach long. All right? That's why we eat after church a lot. Amen. You learn these tricks of the trade, okay? But, but he's hungry. And I'm going to tell you when temptation's going to come. It's going to come when you're physically weak. When you are tired. I know he's God, Brother Clayton, but he's also wrapped in human flesh. He got tired. He went to bed in Mark 4 in that boat. Somebody said, well, thank God he don't sleep. Well, he did in Mark 4. Tell them, try telling them disciples about it. Yeah, thank God he don't sleep. Peter, Jay, and John, yeah, he don't sleep. Slept like a baby when we needed him. So he had that physical body where he did go to sleep. He did get hungry. I believe the application is we better be careful those times when we're weak in body. That temptation comes. I don't know if it's making any sense, but it's helping me today. The specific timing of this temptation. Number two, I want us to note the satanic tactics of this temptation. The satanic tactics. The specific timing, but the satanic tactics. Or the tools that the devil used. You know, the devil's toolbox, he ain't had to change it. He's used the same tactics. He's used the same tools for all eternity. Why? Because they work. He will use, there are three stages of this temptation. 
And Brother Rich, this is an interesting phrase in verse number 2, being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were entered he afterward hungered. So I don't know if that's indicating that he was tempted for 40 days or after the, te- after the 40 day fast is when he was tempted. I'm not sure. That's, that's a lack of Bible study on my part. But I do know this. There were three areas the devil tempted him. First of all, concerning pleasure. By the way, these are three areas the devil tempts you with. Pleasure. Look at verse 3. And the devil said to him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Now, he's hungry. Like I am right now. Amen. I, was, I, I, I mean, I eat two breakfasts on Sunday morning. Y'all know my Sunday morning routine? I get up at 5.45. I'm at Bojangles by 6.15 getting the number 8 combo with a large fry. And I get a Pepsi Zero because I'm trying to watch my figure, all right? Uh, but I, I get a, And then when y'all get here, I eat breakfast with y'all because I, I don't want y'all not have the opportunity to eat breakfast with your pastor. So I eat another breakfast just for y'all's sake. I hope you're happy. And then this morning at about 6.30, I put the, the chicken in the crock pot and I poured that stuff's barbecue, hickory smoked barbecue sauce. No, I don't have enough for everybody. All over that chicken. Amen. They sell it at Food Line. Go help yourself. All right. I mean, I'm looking forward to that here in just a few moments. Why? Because I'm going to feed my flesh. You know what the devil's going to always tempt you to do to feed your flesh? I'm not talking about with the consumption of food, but I'm talking about feeding that carnal nature. And feeding that flesh. You know, the Bible said in Genesis 2, 7, The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. If you note in Genesis chapter number 3 that God also said to Adam again, He said, For dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. So that is what we're made of dust this morning. Well, ain't it interesting what he cursed the serpent with in the garden? He said the serpent was always going to eat dust. The dust of the ground. The snakes today, I've got on these things watching these reels of these guys that go out in the Everglades and catch these pythons. There's part of me that likes to do that, and then part of me just likes watching the reels. The part that likes watching the reels is prevailing at this time. I have always wanted to get on one of them boats and go really fast across it. I don't want to slow down. I want to keep going fast because them snakes don't swim that fast, okay? Just one of them things. And I've always wanted to go down to Louisiana and shoot an alligator. I mean, I've always wanted to do that. It's on my bucket list. It's on my thing. I want to go to Spurgeon's Tabernacle in London, and I want to shoot an alligator in Louisiana. It's weird, okay? It's weird. And I want to go to the World Series, okay? It's weird. I have a weird life. But, you know, even those serpents today, every meal that a serpent eats, he eats it with dust. He don't have hands. He don't have feet. So everything he eats, he eats it with dust. Well, you know how you... You know what you're doing when you feed your flesh... You are, you are feeding the dust, giving Satan more to consume when you feed your flesh. Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And when I feed my flesh, when you feed your flesh, we're giving the devil more to work with and to work towards. You know what the devil will do? He'll tempt you to try to satisfy the carnal desires of your flesh concerning pleasure. But then concerning passion, verses 5 through 7, watch your Bible. And the devil taking him up into a high mountain showed unto him all the kings of the world in a moment of time. They don't miss that phrase right there. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I don't think, Brother Charles, that's just referencing the present kingdoms. I think that's talking about any kingdom that ever would be. He saw the Babylonian kingdom. He saw the Roman Empire. 
He saw, he saw America. He saw every kingdom, saw all the nations of this world in a moment of time. Verse 6, And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it. Somebody said, somebody said Well, this is God's world, not according to that verse. God entrusted the world of the devil. He's the God of this world. And by the way, here's your little prophecy line, and to whomsoever I will give it. That's what he's going to do in the tribulation period. He's going to give power to the Antichrist. Oh, I love how my Bible fits together. If thou wilt worship me, all shall be thine. So here's the second one. Not only he'll tempt you concerning pleasure, he'll tempt you concerning passion. None of us will consider ourselves a member of the church of Satan. But I'll tell you what we do. We have conducted ourselves in such a way that we give off that idea. Why? Because we want that power. Remember what Lucifer did? What got Lucifer kicked out of heaven? Because he wanted to be like God. So I said, Preacher, I ain't never wanted to be like God. Oh, really? You got upset at God when He didn't do what you wanted Him to do. When He didn't answer that prayer the way you wanted Him to answer it, when He didn't do exactly what you wanted to do, you got upset with God. Well, if I was God, I'd have done this. Well, we all better be glad that you ain't God and I'm not God. Amen. So we got to... Concerning that passion, lifting, the devil wanted to lift himself up. We're going to say more about this in a moment in the area of pride. But I thought about this. Satan, Brother Brian McBride made this statement. Satan offered Jesus everything, all the kingdoms of the world. You know why? Because he knew one kingdom wasn't enough. He knew he wouldn't sell out for that. He knew two kingdoms wasn't enough. Brother Mike Bagger said the reason he'd done that is because he even knew Jesus was worth it all. Brother Brian McBride made this statement. He said, someone said, well, the devil's never offered me the world. Brother McBride said, the reason being because we sell out for so much less. He don't have to offer us all the big things. It's we sell out for so much less in temptation. I feel like we're plowing good ground this morning. I feel like God's helping us today. He, he tempted him concerning, concerning pleasure, feeds your flesh, concerning passion. You can have that power. But then verses 9, 10, 11, concerning pride. And he brought him up to Jerusalem, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. He's about 450 feet off the ground. Verse 10, For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. By the way, the devil didn't quote his Bible right, because Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12, the verse he quoted actually says, For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. He left out that phrase, in all thy ways. Because the Bible said, In all thy ways acknowledge him, he shall direct thy paths. The devil, don't, the devil don't even care about his Bible. But sadly, he probably knows more verses than, than we do. By the way, there's a lot of preachers that use the devil's mentality of preaching. You know what he did? He took a verse and took it out of context and tried to make an application to Jesus that wasn't right. I'd hate to know I made an A-plus in the devil's homiletic class. There's a lot of preachers that'll take a verse and run with it and never study the context and never study what's going on around it and they just run with it and they run off and make doctrines and get people confused about their salvation and get people confused about the Bible. I tell you, that's not what we're doing around here, amen. I'm not a great preacher, but I am a contextual Bible preacher by the grace of God, amen. That's what we're going to try to promote. Why? Because it's dangerous not to give all the Scripture. Amen. 
So I said, Preacher, why do you call this pride? Well, August Van Ryan made this statement in his book on Luke. He said, twice Satan takes the Lord up. Twice he bids him to cast himself down or to fall down. He said, worship, fall and worship me or cast yourself down from the temple. That's the devil's way to this day. He will exalt you if you will debase yourself. That's his promise. If you'll just get down... I'll, if you'll, if I'll, he'll, he'll lift you up as what he did if you'll to debase you. But with God, the opposite is true. If you'll humble yourself, God will exalt you. The devil says you you go up high, but you know what he does? He brings you down low. Oh, but if we'll get low, God will exalt us. So I said, what is the what is the temptation here? Here is the lie that the devil was telling Jesus: You can jump and you won't fall. Them angels are going to have charge over thee. You're not going to dash thy foot against a stone. By the way, that's still the same temptation that he gives you and I today. You'll get away with it. You won't fall. Oh, I know it happened to them, but it won't happen to you. The Bible said, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he, help me, fall. But the, the lie and the temptation of the devil is you won't fall. Well, I know they got caught up in that sin, but you figured out how to maneuver around and you won't get caught. Well, I know they got caught up in immorality, uh, but it's just a friendly conversation on the job. There's nothing to it. And I'm telling you, take heed lest ye fall. So there is the specific timing of this temptation. There is the satanic tactics or the tools of this temptation. But last of all this morning, I want us to note the Savior's triumph over temptation. There are three lessons that we can learn from our Lord about how to handle this ire of temptation. Oh, about you, I'm interested in knowing how the Lord won this battle over temptation because temptation is something that we all have to deal with. Can I get an amen out of that? First of all, we know there is power in standing. The, Jesus did not cower down when the devil walked up and started tempting him. He didn't say, oh my goodness, you're the... De-. By the way, he didn't walk up in a red suit with a pitchfork, with a curly, with a, with a tail and all that stuff. Amen. He didn't walk, I mean, he didn't walk up, oh, I'm, you know, the devil, all that stuff. He didn't walk up, I mean, embody Nancy Pelosi or anything like that. The Bible says, somebody said, well, the devil looks like Nancy Pelosi. No, the Bible said the devil's a beautiful creature, an angel of light. Pelosi's anything but that. Can I get an amen out of that? Amen. Wade said her face caught on fire and somebody put it out with an axe. But anyway, <laughs> I didn't say that. Wade said that, all right? But I give a hearty amen to it, amen. But he didn't cower down. He stood. You know what the Bible says? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Boy, all them charismatics, they like that. Woo, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. But they don't read the first half of that verse. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. By the way, that's what Jesus did in Matthew 3. Suffer it to be. He said, John said, why am I going to baptize you? He said, that all righteous might be fulfilled. He said, I'm going to fulfill the will of God here. He fulfilled the will of God in Matthew 3, and he resisted the devil in Luke chapter 4 and Matthew 4. He had power and standing. Now, we ain't got the power to command the devil. I rebuke the devil. All that crowd, they want to rebuke the devil. They can't rebuke their wife. Hello, amen. I, I'm reading a book right now, uh, or trying to finish up. I've only got 76 pages left. But talking about, you know, uh, uh, the whole PTL thing. I know you're tired of hearing me talk about this, but I love it. I told my wife last night, I said, when I get done with this book, I've got to find another religious scandal book to read about, all right? It's just... You know, I'm glad to read about the problems in other people's churches. It's not mine, okay? Uh, but uh, 
I was reading about that, and, you know, uh, Jimmy Swagger. You know, everybody likes Jimmy Swagger, and he's saying he commands the devil. But you know who runs that outfit? Francis. His wife. She runs that whole outfit. You don't, they call her the dragon lady. There's a reason for that. Ain't amazing these guys want to command the devil. They can't even control their home. You ain't supposed to command the devil and rebuke the devil. You're supposed to submit yourself to God and resist the devil. Say, no, I'm not going to yield to that. Amen. I know I just messed some of you up because you all like watching Jimmy Swagger. Well, come back tonight, I'm going to bust Billy Graham too, all right? Amen. We know there's power in standing, but then there's power in Scripture. Three times in this passage. You know what Jesus says when He's tempted? Verse 4, it is written. Verse 8, for it is written. Verse 12, for it is said, indicating what had been written. You know what? There was power over temptation. There was power in the Word of God. I've said this before, but it helps my heart. Maybe it'll help you. If Jesus had performed some great miracle over the devil in this temptation, then I would have no hope. Because I can't perform miracles. And those guys on TV can't either. But you know what Jesus did? He did not perform a miracle when He was tempted, but He simply quoted the Word of God. I can't perform a miracle, but I can read the Word of God. I can hide the Word of God in my heart. That's how we can have victory over temptation. There's power in standing. There's power in Scripture. But then there's power in steadfastness. How many times did the devil come to Jesus and tempt him? We know of three times. If you think the devil's going to come one time and try to tempt you, and then you resist him, you get victory and go off, not bother you again, you've got another thing coming. He is going to come over and over and over and over again. You know what we got to do? We have to be steadfast. We have to stand for what's right. You know what that, the Bible in the book of Ephesians said, having done all to stand, stand therefore. It means when you've done everything you can to stand, you just keep on standing and be steadfast in that. We don't stand in our own power. We don't stand in our abilities. Oh, we don't stand in what we can do oh, because the flesh will always let us down and will always fail. Oh, but honey, if we'll plant our feet in the Word of God and we'll put the Word of God in our heart and we live in obedience to this book, oh, we don't have to fall. Oh, we don't have to yield to temptation. We don't have to become a casual. Oh, may God help us to fall in love with this book and not just love the cover and not just love the pages, oh, but love the content of it and how his words in our heart and then and only then we can have victory over this area of temptation if we we'll walk in obedience to the word of God there's help there's help for us but it's based on this book I don't worship the King James Bible but I sure do love it Somebody said, do you believe there's a King James Bible in heaven? I like what Dr. James Jones said. I don't know if there's a King James Bible in heaven, but what's in a King James Bible is in heaven. Amen. Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Aren't you glad we have a Bible this morning? Aren't you glad God gave us a word how to help us through the times of temptation and the times of sin and the times of trial and difficulty? He could have saved us and left us to ourselves. Oh, I'm so glad that He gave us a word how to get us through these dark days, how to get us through these difficult times. Thank God for the Bible this morning. Better hide His words in our heart. I tell you this, and I'm done. I, I, I've got letters over the years. You know, uh, I wish 
Bobby Robertson, every time he preached for me, he'd always write me a letter thanking me. And I, I need to be better at that. It's just my generation flaws. I send a text when I preach. For a preacher, I send him a text the day after I get home and I thank him for everything. It's probably not the best thing. It's just my generation. But I've not kept all those letters. Why? Well, I love Brother Robertson. I love these preachers. But they, don't, they don't mean as much to me. But I'm going to tell you one thing I have kept. When we were dating, I kept every letter that girl wrote me. I still got it in my office today. Found one the other day. You know why I kept them? Because I was in love with the one that had wrote me. And I wanted to know, in fact, I wish she'd write some of them letters again. She's a whole lot nicer than me in those days, amen. <laughs> now I get letters, take the trash out. <laughs> those are the kind of letters I get, you know. I do. I'm going to work. Let the trash at the door, dishwasher clean, you know, do this, do that. Those are the kind of letters I get now. But you know why? You know why I didn't keep all them letters from preachers and everything? We, I appreciate our missionaries writing us letters, but after the months over, we just throw them away. Why? Because they don't mean as much to us. But you know why I keep them letters from that girl back there? My wife, for those watching online, amen, does not point some random girl out. My wife, Grace Montgomery, amen, I've been married to her for 11 years. Y'all be careful with that nowadays. You know why? Because I'm in love with the one that wrote me. You know why you don't read your Bible? Because you don't love the one that wrote it. I know, I know y'all hate me. I, I'm not trying to be all good this morning, but it is Valentine's Day month. I'd read things, and I'd underline it, and I'd read it over again. Why? Because I like what she said. You're so good looking. She didn't write that. She never thought, she never wrote that, amen. It's just in my mind. I'm like some men preachers, just imagine what the Bible says. You know, I'd underline things, Why? I'd read it over and over again. I've, I've been married to that girl for 11 years. We've had three children together. And I, I, I was cleaning out my uh, office the other day, and I found a letter, and I read that letter. We was dating, and she gave it to my 20, 20th birthday or 19th, whatever it was, and it done something to my heart. Why? Because I'm in love with the one that wrote me. Well, I've heard that over and over again. Yeah, but don't it just do something to your heart when you read it again? Thank God for the Bible. Let's stand together. I appreciate your attention. Do you love the one that wrote you this morning? He wrote you this book not just because he loves you, but he wants you to have victory over sin by walking in obedience. Well, the reason you don't read your Bible, the reason I don't read my Bible, is I'm not in love with the one that wrote me. May God help us this morning, this area of temptation. You need to come pray this morning. Preacher, if I go to the altar, everybody's going to think I have trouble with temptation. Everybody deals with this sin.